It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Podcast Network, I'm Dana Perino, and everything will be okay. Welcome back. Last time I sat down with author and senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, Naomi Schaefer Riley, who shared how she believes the foster care system is undergoing a healing and restructuring under the advocacy of faith-based programs. And there's a lot of work to be done. My next guest this week is also working to positively impact the lives of others through helping them discover their purpose in their careers. I know that many people are worried about lateral moves. They think that doesn't show progress. But what if that lateral move leads to something else? Or if it doesn't, maybe it's a chance to learn a new skill and broaden your network. Accept opportunities because you are interested and you want to grow. Don't reject them just because you don't think they would look good on a resume. One thing can definitely lead to another, and that can be very worthwhile. Ken Coleman is a renowned career coach and best-selling author of The Proximity Principle. Ken used his own personal struggles with career advancement and fulfillment to inspire others to find their occupational purpose. His latest book, From Paycheck to Purpose, will be released this November. Ken Coleman, thank you so much for being a part of the Everything Will Be Okay podcast. You and I had a chance to meet um, not face to face, but you were a guest on America's Newsroom for a segment I really wanted to do about my concerns for some of the people that I know in my life that are long term unemployed. And you came on the show, you gave great advice. And I just wanted to let you know that a couple of days later, one of the young people that I was concerned about, uh, she let me know she got a great job with a big company and she accepted the offer. And so she's off to the races. And I thought, all right, maybe Ken was the. Um, the good luck charm that uh, she needed <laughs> that particular day. So uh, let's start by t- you telling us a little bit about yourself and how you came to write a really great book called From Paycheck to Purpose. Yeah. Well, I was a kid, Dana, that pretty early on, I had a very clear vision and as a result, a lot of ambition. I was 16 years of age and I realized at that point, felt that the calling on my life was uh, a, a career in politics, public service. Uh, I grew up in a Reagan household. I grew up in a house where history was like a big deal. And so, you know, when you grow up in an environment like that, where it's, you know, pretty rich in, you know, a focus on a certain area, you either accept it or reject it. And and so I had an early uh, brush with, you know, public service. Uh, my parents uh, loved on people and served people in their profession. And you put all that together. And I just felt at 16 that I wanted to serve our country and I wanted to do it in the area of public service and run for office one day. So I set out on that path. At 19, I took a semester off of college to work on a congressional race in 94. As you remember well, that was the mm-hmm. year of Contract for America. So it was mm-hmm. a big year. My candidate got drubbed by the uh, richest <laughs> member of Congress, but I had been bitten by the bug and I went back to school. And I'm in these upper level government classes and I just come off a battlefield. And it was like a, you know, a, a battle hardened, <laughs> you know, veteran who gets transferred to desk duty. You just want to get back out in the fight. And 
And so I ended up leaving a year and a half later to go work on a U.S. Senate race and got back into Virginia politics, where I'm from, and, and the Hampton Roads, Tidewater area, Virginia, and uh, worked on a gubernatorial race. And we won. And at 22, I'm working in the governor's office. And it was exciting for about six weeks. And it got really boring and slow compared to campaign politics and uh, did it for about a year and, and said, OK, it's time to get a business resume. And so I got into business with the hope of building, you know, leadership resume and did so as a vice president of a speaker's bureau. Then I went to work uh, for John Maxwell, well-known leadership author and guru and set up roots in Atlanta suburbs thinking this is where I'm going to run for something. And uh, I'm speeding through this. And the short version is I'm 31, 32, and I began to be disheartened by what was happening in the political scene. And it made me question uh, the area that I had long been focused on that mountaintop, that dream and, and came to the conclusion it wasn't politics, but it was very, very disheartening because I had been on purpose since the age of 16. And here I am at 31 uh, successful, but not satisfied. And it was a tough, tough time. It was a a season of discouragement of disillusionment. Uh, I, it, it was tough. Because it was, what's next? Did I waste all of this time? You know, oh, I can see 40. It's still out there, but I can see it. What's going on? And so I went through a process of self-discovery and, you know, met with a couple of executive coaches who were friends of mine in the space that I was in. And they gave me a really basic process that I developed and used for myself. And so basically it got to the point where I realized um, it was broadcasting, but I'm in my early 30s, no training very little connections in it, no experience, of course, and uh, very intimidating and yet stayed with it. I stuck with it and kept going, kept going. It was about a seven-year journey and uh, got to Ramsey Solutions with Dave Ramsey and paid my dues for three years more and then got the national show uh, leading into Dave on Sirius XM and now we're syndicated. And I coach people every day, Dana, on the process that I kind of taught myself to really dig in deep, to look inward instead of outward, to really discover what it is that I was good at, which is talent. Those are the tools to discover what work really fired me up. When I, when I thought about it, I got excited. When I was in the middle of it, time stood still. Uh, and then the results that I wanted my work to uh, produce. And that's now Talent Passion Mission. I've coached nearly 5,000 callers on the air live. And of course, wrote this book. And that Talent Passion Mission is really the the secret sauce that everybody has, and it makes up stage one of the seven stages that we write about in the book. So that's, I'm racing through that, but that's what got me here is that I went through my own pain of discovery. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I want to help other people figure out what they were born to do and then do it really well. Is there, um, for let's just think of, I, I have somebody in mind right now um, that I adore. Um, she's one of the smartest people I've ever known in my life. Mm-hmm. And really says she has no idea what she wants to do uh, mm. in a in career. And yeah. I wonder about, how, do you have a couple of tips for people that are sure. thinking about that? I, I also am at the age where a lot of my friends have kids that are about to go to college or, or in yeah. college. And, and they also are like, they just feel like they don't know what they want to do. And, and in some ways, I always tell them, well, it's fabulous that the whole universe is out there for you to decide yeah. on something. But they just feel then, I guess, maybe a little bit more lost when you say, well, what do you want to do when you grow up? (laughs) Well, it's the age old question. By the way, nobody has to teach a human being to wonder that. You don't have to teach a kid to say no, and you don't have to teach a human to wonder, why am I here? So that's a good thing. Uh, The fact that they're wondering is good. Now, I'll answer the question for the two different people. So we'll talk about your friend 
who's established and has a work career. And then we'll talk about that young person who's, you know, really at the beginning of the journey. So the first thing is, is it's absolutely a very normal feeling and thought to have that I have no idea what I want to do, but it's not true. Now I have the experience of almost 5,000 callers live on there who call me up and say this. And, and Dana, here's what I know. They all have an idea. What they're really saying is, I don't know if this idea is wacky um, or I don't know how to make this idea reality. That's what they're really saying. And so they say, well, I don't have any ideas because they always do. And here's how I know this. If I were to talk to your friend today, I would at first start by saying, hey, what is something that you've wondered about recently or you've wondered about many years ago and you never went for it for a variety of reasons? Maybe somebody said something that discouraged it. Uh, you had some self-doubt, maybe some really crippling fear. What What is something you've wondered about? And you would try today if you knew you couldn't fail and you knew you didn't have to commit to it for the rest of your life. So here's what happens. When I say things like that, that begins to kind of take the, the defenses down because we, we protect ourselves from, from fear, from rejection, from doubt, uh, embarrassment. And so we would begin to get some answers from her. But then we would also then look at who she really is. And let's just break down the core methodology of what I teach, talent, passion, and mission. So I want the listener to understand this because this, is, this allows you to see that you already have the answers. You still know it. So talent's what we do best. We all understand this, hard skills. And then people skills, we could also throw character traits in there. So there are just things that you come into this world, you're good at these things. You saw other people struggle at it. It was easy for you. People compliment you on these things. You see a pattern, a history of this. Think of these talents as premium tools. They allow you to do things excellent, to do it efficiently. And so now we look at passion. Now, I define passion as work you love. So talent is what we do best. Passion is work we love to do. So there's work that we all get lost in. We get excited about high emotion, high devotion, and it's really for the love of the craft. Uh, you know, I, I don't know you personally. I know of you, followed you for a long time. There's just certain work that, Dana, when you think about it or you engage in it, no matter how tired you are, how you're feeling, there's a moment where really the, the juice, I call it, takes over, and it's the love of the craft. Yeah, I think back to the month of August going into September when the Afghanistan pullout was happening and, you know, we worked tirelessly, but to your point, it was, it doesn't feel like work. Um, When there's an important story, then I have got some background and expertise in it uh, and can work with a great colleague like Bill Hemmer um, and my, and my colleagues on the five. Yeah. I loved it. You're right. I loved covering the story. I hated the actual story. I hated how it was turning out uh, and I lost sleep over it. um, But I was, very energized to do the work. Yeah. So the root word of passion in the Latin is pati, P-A-T-I, and it means to suffer. And the, the context that it was used in many centuries ago uh, was essentially a thirst that must be quenched. That's true love. It's love of the work. You love the work. Now, the last piece is the last piece in, in this three-part kind of, if these are three elements that make all humans, and they are, uh, mission, a sense of mission. You, you cover the military. You understand. Um, you've seen it up close, maybe more so than most people, that there's always a mission. What is the desired result? So work creates results. So when we think about what are the results I want my work to produce, 
then we start to see true light bulbs. So here's how it works. Talent is what I do best. Passion work I love. Mission results that matter. So when we put them all together, this is a purpose statement. And I would help your friend with this because we're going to get to the point where she goes, I am here to use what I do best to do work I love to produce results that matter to me. Those last two pieces, passion and mission, are very heart-focused. The heart reveals. And for instance, when I started into broadcasting, Dana, I went into sports broadcasting because I love sports. Mm I talk sports all day Mm -hmm. long. But as I got in and experienced it, I realized that it was an entertainment result. And I was driven to produce encouragement and equipping with people. I want to equip people with the tools to win and get transformation in their life. I want to encourage them on the journey as they use the tools. So that's why I'm in the space that I'm mm-hmm. in now. You know, you call it self-help or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call mm-hmm. it, but I'm in the business of transformation and we do it on the radio and on people. television, YouTube, podcast, and beyond. It's really invaluable so what friend, you do. We got to get her to that point where she mm-hmm. can fill in those answers. I love that. Is, is that, I, I read an interview that you did, um, this is a few years ago, but you it was why you need to find your sweet spot, you called it. Yeah. And, and when you get to the answers of those three areas, is that what your yeah. sweet spot is? Yeah, exactly. Because watch what happens. And this is where purpose freaks out a lot of people like your friends. They feel like it's just one job. It's not. It's not just one job. Because look, when I use what I do best, talent, to do work I love, passion, to produce results that matter to be mission, they come into alignment. And it's like a blinking neon arrow into the marketplace where it could be, it could be uh, being a physical therapist. It could be being a nurse. It could be uh, a nurse practitioner. It could be a doctor. You know, you have multiple opportunities within that sweet spot. And what's beautiful about it is the sweet spot moves with you. Because it's always on purpose when I can look at this work and go, I'm using what I do best to do work I love. And it's producing results that I see a value connection to. Like I care deeply about the results. And so that's the answer. When people see that, they go, oh, well, then there's multiple jobs, career paths, even dream jobs. If I wasn't doing what I'm doing now, I would be coaching college basketball. Mm -hmm. But it's very similar to what I do now. It's the communication piece. It's the coaching piece driven towards what? Transformation. The results, right. Yeah, results that that, that move people on. And so Mm. for the young person, you kind of tie this up quickly, that they're coming out of school and they're kind of going, okay, which way do I go? Which way do I go? Now, there's a certain season of exploration, but when we can look internally to talent, passion and a sense of mission, they're going to have some really strong clues at which point they begin to pursue those and they begin to see, okay, I thought it was this mountain, but it's actually over here. And that's really my journey. There is great similarity between politics and public communication in the form of broadcasting or writing books or speaking. So we've just seen this uh, record-breaking number of people leaving their jobs, quitting their jobs. Mm -hmm. Where do you think they're going or what are they thinking? Are they starting yeah. their own businesses? Are they maybe thinking they'll just pursue what you've just described? Maybe mm-hmm. after the lockdown and COVID and going through all of that turmoil, they're thinking life is short and I need to do something or is it pursuit of perhaps more money? That is obviously happening in, in this economy. Um, how do you explain the great resignation or how do you look at it? Yeah. Well, I think you've just nailed it. You just got all of the things. I think it's the great revelation. Mm. The great resignation is what's the is kind of the outcome. But I think there's a perfect storm that happened in 2020. So here comes COVID. And then if you think back to March 2020, in fact, we were in uh, I was in 
New York doing media uh, on Friday. I can't remember the exact date, but it would have been that second or third week. It was right before the NCAA tournament. Everything was shutting down. We didn't think we were going to get out of Manhattan. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. It was like, we got to get out of Manhattan before Friday at five. And, and so if you think how quickly life changed, and we humans don't like change, Dana. We just nope. don't because the change represents the unknown. It's our greatest fear. So As here's my what girlfriend, happened. Jeannie Mamo, says the only human that likes change is a baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's so true. But think about it. The world shut down quickly. We stopped working the way we used to work, most of us. We, our kids came home from school. There was tremendous uncertainty about, you know, how is this going to wipe out a whole generation? I mean, we were seeing death tolls reported every day. So two things happened in that massive change. One, we were forced to deal and confront with change, which normally we don't. So it was, it was dictated to us. Our entire lifestyle changed. And then we were faced with mortality. And anytime we go to a funeral or we go to the hospital when a baby is born, um, we as humans confront our mortality that life is precious, life is short. I think those two things, the fear of the, the medical side and health and life being precious and watching people die. And then we were forced to change the way we work, the way we live. I think it made us think about what other changes do I actually want to choose? And that's why I call it the great revelation. I think it was revealed to us, wait a second, why am I working at this job doing this just for a paycheck when life is so precious and so unpredictable? I want to control what I can control. So you touched on multiple factors there. One, yes, I think a lot of people are chasing money because you you and I talked about this with Bill on the air. The companies right now are passing out crazy incentives, financial incentives, full tuition, crazy benefits extra leave and yeah, money for time. your vacation so leveling up. Did you see that? There was a, some, one of the companies was offering cash for your vacation yeah. to take with you. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So there was a job fair in middle Tennessee. So we're in Nashville. So there was a job fair and this is a healthcare uh, capital. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a huge healthcare area and a local healthcare company. I won't say the name. I did a job fair and they were offering, I think a hundred dollars just to show up right. and apply. And then, and no one showed up. And I saw the local news channel cover the story. And it's because locally we have an Amazon distribution center here and they were offering $1,500 to show up. So there's a great arms Just to race. show up for the interview? You no, know, you remember. Yeah. Oh my gosh. People just to show up. You just show up for, and if you, if you show up for the interview, uh, we're going to give you that. And so- um, the reason, by the way, Dana, is is that a lot of people are starting their own businesses. You did mention that there is a great entrepreneurial boom. We're not seeing any hard data yet, but I'm hearing it. And I think we're going to start seeing stuff in the news. You'll probably be covering it soon. I think as we look back on 2021, I think we'll call it one of the great entrepreneurial booms where people are going, hey, I can go work for myself. I can I go do so. this. I can go drive in a mm-hmm. car. What advice do you give to people who are not in that situation? They've So they've kept their job. Um, or maybe even just started a new one. Think of those young people that had just come out of college and they get a job and they're expecting to go into an office and meet their colleagues, but they've been working from home this entire time. And for some companies, that is either going to be permanent or you're only going to come into the office a couple of days a week. How do you advance your career while you're working from home? 
Yeah, it's a great question. We write about this in the book from paycheck to purpose. It's stage five of the seven stages. So quick review, get clear. We talked about talent, passion, mission. Then I got to get qualified to stage two. Stage three is I get connected while I'm getting qualified. I'm in stage two and three consecutively. Stage four is I get the opportunity. So now I'm going to get started. And this is where you are in this question. And how do we get promoted? Whether I'm remote or in the office or a hybrid model. Here's the simple, there's three things that I've got to do. I've got to know my role, that's clarity. And I don't mean the job description. I mean, you've got to be very clear, certainly in a remote situation, even more so. What does your leader clearly expect of you? What does a win look like? Not what's your job description. What does a win look like? Know your role, that's clarity. Secondly, accept your role. This is an attitude. Now, every young person, you know, kind of wants to, we, we, well, not every young person, it's everybody. We all want to move on. We get in the role. We've been dying to get the role. And two weeks in, we're starting to look at the next. And that's a real temptation. Mm-hmm. That's the humanness. We long for progress. But you've got to be grateful for this opportunity. you got to win the now or there is no next. This is a real temptation for a lot of young people. Win the now. Don't get so obsessed about the next that you miss what you need to do in the now, who you need to become in the now. The next will take care of itself. And then the third thing you've got to do is you've got to maximize your role. Go way above and beyond the job description. Go way above and beyond what your leader says is the win. Look for opportunities, even remote, to serve a colleague. To, hey, how about leading up? How about serving your boss and your leader? Stepping in the gap for them. Help them win. So know your role accept your role, maximize your role. That ought to be your mantra. Those three simple things said every day and a maniacal focus will help you win the now. And here's what I know. If I win the now, I'm going to get an opportunity for the next. I will. Even if I get overlooked in one place, I have created a a discipline that's going to serve me long term. We'll be right back with more of this interview after this. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. I said on Twitter today that I was going to have a chance to talk to you. And I asked if there was anyone that had questions for you. And here's this goes to something I was talking to you about on the show. And that is when you have people who are retiring prematurely or being laid off because maybe they're in their early 60s and the company was like, you know, we'll move on from this person. Um, here's the, the question I got, two questions, but I'm going to maybe merge them into one. Um, as an older worker, what challenges do I face and how does my life experience translate to an employee that they would want to hire? So this is somebody 61 years old, re-entering the world mm-hmm. of employment after taking three years off to do some care for the family. And the second question, these came in succession to each other, said I could use some advice on leveraging my work experience as a career once into your 60s. You know, people in their 60s are relatively young, right? But they have so much experience and so much to offer. And I know a few who are um, sort of long-term unemployed um, and and really trying to break through. I know there's the whole resume algorithm thing that's happening out there, but any advice for them? Because that is talent that we should not see stay home if they don't want to. That's exactly right. So three things I would encourage those folks with. Number one, you've got a long body of work. Experience matters. And you've got to get to the point where you are storytelling about your experience. Because when you really can share 
what you've seen and what you've done, it's impressive. It's, it's unmatched. Experience is one thing. The skill set. You know, there's a lot of people skills and soft skills that are absolutely huge. LinkedIn said uh, last year they reported that hiring managers said that the most desirable um, uh, quality in people they were looking for was adaptability. We just spent a little bit of time talking about change. Let me tell you something. Somebody in their 60s, (laughs) they've ate change for breakfast. You know, the average, you know, uh, Gen Z coming out at 21, 22, they have no idea how they're going to even handle change. And these folks have not only handled it, but they know how they handle it, what they would do to help others. They're bringing in that mentor role. Um, and then and then the connections. If you're 61, the amount of people you know is staggering. I get this call all the time on the Ken Coleman show. I'll give you a quick example here. Uh, Ken, I don't know anybody. I, I live in a small town or I, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. an introvert. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know anybody. And I'll say, okay, uh, just tell me, how many people do you know outside of your your family and super close friends? Give me an idea. Acquaintances, uh, let's even say people on social media. And, and inevitably, almost every caller says 200. I'll say, okay, great. How many people would you say, be modest, um, that each of those 200 people know? And they'll say, well, and they'll chuckle, probably 200. I say, look, I'll do quick math. It's 40,000 people that you have access to. And I think many times the older person forgets that one of the greatest advantages they have is a life of 60 years of relationships. Mark Granovetter, famed sociologist, did a study on this and proved that most people get jobs through acquaintances, not close personal connections. So if you just play the little silly Kevin Bacon game, right, you know, I throw out I throw out, you know, two actors and you got to figure out, you know, how have they acted in the same film with Kevin Bacon? Can we do it in seven degrees or less? It's the same concept. And so I would say to those 60 year olds, all right, let's quickly review. You've got to get to the point where on one sheet of paper you can put down the top skills you bring to the table. Now, look at that list and go, are there some other skills that I can brush up on? Is there a certification or an online course that I can take that makes me uh, a bit more relevant and current? That's the first action. The second action, think about the people you know and how many people they know. Opportunities are everywhere, but stop applying online and getting age discriminated against or just getting Mm -hmm. lost in the shuffle. And then I would say that the third thing I want them to focus on is not the skill set, but the experience. And when they're in these interviews, they've got to talk about the fact that you're not just hiring a skilled and hungry employee. I want to work. I'm not retiring on you in two years. I want to work. Here's why I want to work. And you guys fit that. But you're also hiring a mentor. I will mentor. I'll bring along the young people. I'll pull them aside when they get their feelings hurt and I'll love on them. I think that is the X factor. And I think leaders, and they may be being hired by a millennial leader, um, the leaders need that. And I think that the 60-year-old's got to show these people, I help you win in other ways that most people can't. I think that's the pitch. And if if, if any employers are listening to this and you need to hire somebody and you're frustrated because no one's walking through the door, you know, from an employer standpoint, I think they should uh, expand their search as well. Oh, and look for somebody goodness, who, yes. yeah, maybe they're not going to work for you for 20 years, but yeah, actually nobody is <laughs> anymore, exactly right. really. And here's the deal. Just because they're 60 doesn't mean they can't learn basic technology or some of the new things that are going on. And well, that's so a let's good just, point. I think say, that, hey, that is a little going on here. What I am I afraid of as a leader? 
I think that's a little bit intimidating, right? The technology piece of things is how it is. How do you keep up on it? And I'm for. I have something I say in my book is that um, if you want to move up the ladder at your corporation, you should be a reverse mentor. So mm-hmm. that, um, for example, I'm trying to learn how to do these um, videos of my new puppy on Instagram <laughs> Reels. And right. then my friend said, oh, you can make those on TikTok and then they, then you can upload them to Instagram. So I've been doing that. And then I found out that when I upload them, that's not a reel. That's just a video story. Yeah. And I thought, well, oh, well yeah. I, what am I? don't know. I got, and I got so frustrated and she said, I'll show you tomorrow. I'm like, okay, great. Please, that's could you help key. me out here? Because I just need someone to show me and then I can that's go it. off and have fun. But the technology piece, how do you think older people should deal with that? Yeah, well, they need to do what you just did. I mean, they, they need to call their grandkid. Right. Right. I need go, a 12 year old hey, to come live in my you, house. Yeah. Will you spend a little time with me? Because they're not going to be embarrassed with the grandkid helping them. Who cares if the grandkid rolls their eyes? You know right, what I mean? Right, it's like right. you got to call in that young person and go, listen, I want to learn this. I'm intimidated by it. Go really slow, you know, take notes, ask questions. And then the well, next thing you know, it's all intuitive. But it, the, you nailed the key word. It's intimidating. Well, let's, what's causing the intimidation? You're embarrassed? Well, then find some 20-year-old who you're mm-hmm. not embarrassed to have a real conversation with and go, teach me how to do TikTok. Look, I got the same thing here. I, I'm, I'm old enough to be the father of some of the social media pe- people that serve <laughs> me at Randy Solutions. And I, I joke, we put one video out. Uh, and it went bananas on TikTok and it was okay. a total accident. I mean, it wasn't cool. Nothing about me is cool. And my kids will remind me of that every day. <laughs> and, and it went bananas. And I just started walking around the office going, I'm huge on the talk. And they're all rolling their eyes and laughing at me because <laughs> nobody calls it the talk. But you know what I did there? I just embraced the fact that I didn't know anything about it. And I took the elephant out of the room. Now I'm not embarrassed because they all know, oh, Ken has no idea what he's talking about, but he's okay with it. And then I go, tell me what to do to win on reels. Tell me what to do. And, and if you say that, it's refreshing. It's awesome. And that young person will go, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. They, they want me to help yeah. them. Yeah. And it's, it's a fabulous way to do it. So here's the deal. Swallow your pride. It's the short. <laughs> I got no problem on that front, especially. Um, <laughs> I, I had one other area I wanted to cover with you because I don't know if this is also part of the great resignation and it could be, but you wrote about um, the causes of burnout. You said yeah. here, the five causes of burnout, you said are no passion for your work a toxic workplace, boredom, feeling overwhelmed, and feeling underappreciated. How, what's the way to counterbalance that? And when, yeah. this is a question I get a lot, and it's kind of a complicated answer, but I'm curious how you would answer it. How do you know when it's the right time to leave a job? Yeah. Okay, so there's two questions there. Uh, first, yes, I do believe that burnout is causing a massive amount of people just to seek greener grass. Uh, if you think about how intense COVID was, and if you got a leader who didn't have much choice but to work you like that, but they didn't have the foresight or the training or the experience to go, hey, I know you're afraid at both ends. I am too. It's not going to be this way. How can I care for you? Can I send you away for a spa weekend? You know, there's a lot of that where people can, the people will dive deep. They'll go in the foxhole and stay in the foxhole if they feel valued, if they feel seen they feel cared for. So a lot of people are leaving for better benefits and a better paycheck. I want to make a very quick note and then I'll answer the second part of the question. Mm-hmm. The reason I, of course, I had no idea when I wrote this book that this was going to happen. No clue that this was, this was going to be the environment we're in, but a paycheck will wear off in about six weeks. You move for a paycheck alone. 
uh, or mm. a promotion with it, because that's usually what happens. Both of those things wear off after time. And if you're in the same crappy environment where you're not valued, you're going to be burned out again. So, yes, all of those are causes of burnout. So how do you address it? Well, you have to get to the source. So what is the source of the burnout? Because burnout's a symptom. It's not a thing. Uh, when I go to the doctor, if I've got a sore knee, I don't walk in and go, hey, doc, I'm pretty sure I have sore knee. He's going to laugh at me. All right. And it's like, okay, no, let's figure out what's causing the soreness. So in each of those five areas, um, we've, we've got to figure out what the source is. And when we can figure out the source, now we can address that. And now we're getting somewhere and we realize, oh, I'm a human and, 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 and I've got a soul. Um, so, so that's very important. The, the, the overall, uh, hit me with the second piece of that again. I got so excited about the burnout piece. I forgot the second part of the question. Well, when do you know it's the right time to leave a oh, job? That's right. Great, great, great. Thank you. So here's when you know it's the right time to leave. When you've determined that you aren't the common denominator in the problem, you, you realize this is unhealthy. So we can look at those five causes of burnout. No passion. Uh, it's toxic. I'm bored. Uh, I'm overwhelmed drinking from a fire hydrant, uh, you know, and I'm not seen. I'm not valued. Um, so we take that to our leader and we're humble. We're honest. Uh, we're, we're not entitled. We're not angry. We go, hey, this is what's going on. And this is kind of overwhelming me. I'm feeling a sense of burnout here. I've come up with a couple of ideas that I think could be solutions, but I need your help as my leader. That's your approach. That's your posture. If you've done that once or twice and the leader kicks the can down the road, meaning they don't address it, they may give you lip service, but nothing changes. It's time to leave because right. the leader is either incapable of making the change could be due to their lack of leadership skills or their desire to actually make tough decisions and changes, or they don't want to. So right. one is a bad leader. The other is a bad person. But those are your two reasons why they won't address what you're bringing to them. And if you like, I get people call the time. Hey, Ken, I've been up for five or six promotions. And I say, well, do they give you any feedback when you don't get it? Nope. And I say, it's time to leave. Yeah. There's an old movie, not old. I guess it is now a rom-com I watched with my wife, Stacy years ago. Uh, I think it's called She's Not That Into You. Okay. Or maybe he's not that into you. I can't okay. remember. You know what I'm talking about? I, That's the deal. They're not that into you. It's time right, to leave. Right, 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 right. Well, there's so much happening right now. And if you look in history, um, whenever there's a pandemic, there is massive change that happens in yeah. a society to culture and to the economy and to the world of work. And you don't know when you're living in the middle of it, what those outcomes are going to be. But mm -hmm. one of them will surely be the fact that what you'll have more entrepreneurs. Amazing. Uh, yeah. You'll have people who have decided like, to, to make some major changes in their life. But the other one, mm -hmm. the last thing I would leave on is um, I think the commutes were just crushing people. Yep. And when they realized that they could be effective and work from home and that they could be home in time for dinner, they could get to the Little League game and they weren't on the train that was broken down or delayed or late or the weather prevented them from uh, being able to fly home that day. The commuting, I think, is one of the things that really got to people. Are you seeing that as well? I think you're right. Yes, you're right. And that, that's what I was getting at earlier in that we, we took stock. What matters most to me? I mean, I got this really sizzle factor job in the city. It's a big brand. I got all the things, but it's cutting out. 10 hours of my week that I could be with my kids. I could be coaching my kids. a kid. lot of time. You know, yeah, that's it. And time, time, time is our greatest asset as human beings. And I absolutely believe you're right. That was a lifestyle change. It's like, wait a second. 
I don't care what anybody thinks anymore. I really don't care. It was like it was okay to leave. You know, the, we've all heard of the golden handcuffs, you know, the yeah, it's sure. long used, you know, kind of a metaphor. I think people are like, it doesn't matter anymore. Everything got changed anyway. And and so I'm going to make these changes in my life because this is what matters more. And if I got to take a bit of a pay cut to build it up somewhere else, but I'm in my kid's life. Uh, yeah, I absolutely believe that's a huge part of it. It really is. Well, there's so much to discuss. I highly, highly recommend the book from Paycheck to Purpose by Ken Coleman. And listen to his national syndicated radio show and find him on TikTok because he's huge on the talk. Yeah. Apparently, <laughs> What a joke. I'm oh, going to have to follow you. Uh, Ken Coleman, thank you and happy Thanksgiving. Yes. Happy Thanksgiving to you. And hey, after I told you the other day on the air that uh, uh, welcome the new little guy, Percy, Mm -hmm. uh, we surprised my kids with another pup, Huey. So uh, we're both in puppy land right now. Oh, they're like puppy twins. Yes, exactly. May they have long lives. Have a great Thanksgiving. Thanks for having me. Ken, take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I could have continued to talk to Ken for ages, but obviously he's a very busy person. But a lot of great career advice there for all of us at every stage in our careers, whether you're just starting out in the middle of your career or perhaps in your early 60s and thinking that you want to continue working but are looking for a change. Lots of great advice in there. Make sure you subscribe to this series wherever you download podcasts and leave a rating and review. I'm Dana Perino and everything will be okay. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to Fox News Podcast shows ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or follow wherever you get your podcasts.